Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown podcast presented by Mass Live. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo, coming to you a day or so before opening day at Fenway Park. Uh, long awaited, I've been saying all winter, this is the longest winter ever. Uh, and we are finally at the end of it. And I thought it'd be a good time for uh, an overall kind of season preview episode. And who better to have than the president and CEO of the Red Sox, Sam Kennedy, joining the show today? Sam, I know uh, we're getting to a long awaited day here. How excited are you guys over at Fenway for this? Well, we're really excited, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's um, hard to believe that we're going to be ready. If you walk around the concourses right now, you'd say, are they really going to be ready for opening day? <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think we'll get there. Um, that, that's where we'll start. Obviously, Fenway is going to look a lot different than it did in normal times, first of all. And then also last year, 12% capacity coming back in, 4,500 fans. I'm sure that You'll be at the absolute maximum you possibly can be on Thursday and in this opening home stand, even if it's going to be, you know, 30 degrees or whatever. Um, <laughs> just what does that mean to you after all the planning, after everything that's gone into it to have some fans back in the ballpark? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it'll be emotional for a lot of people. You know, last year was so, so tough. Obviously, everyone dealing with this hopefully once in a generation uh, pandemic and, and to play games at Fenway Park with no fans was one of the, um, one of the strangest, eeriest experiences uh, I've ever been a part of. And so even though we won't have a packed house, uh, it will be great to have people back. We got a little taste of it down at JetBlue Park in Florida. So it'll be great to have fans come back. They're such a part of Fenway and, and give us a, a competitive advantage here. So Really looking forward to it. We'll start with 12% capacity and then hope to start to ramp up as uh, we hope things uh, continue to improve and get better. I think I read in The Athletic that the Red Sox are, uh, they have the smallest capacity in baseball. Were you disappointed that you weren't able to get more in for opening day? Well, you always want more fans, you know, right. just, uh, just it, more fans um, have it's been a good recipe for us these past 20 years. Um, but we've been really appreciative of the, the dialogue with Lieutenant Governor Polito and Governor Baker and Mayor Janey and, and Mayor Walsh before her. So, mm -hmm. look, we know we need to start somewhere, um, and there seems to be a willingness uh, at the state level and the city level uh, to, to consider moving the capacity up, assuming vaccinations continue to be widely available um, and and the numbers stay under control. So I don't have a timetable, but my hope is with vaccinations being available, I think to the general population starting uh, on the 19th of April, uh, hopefully things will start to move move more quickly. Uh, so look, we, we, we do feel like we are at a, a bit of a competitive disadvantage. You know, the fewer fans you can have just by mm -hmm. definition, yeah. less, less revenue, less support, less uh, ambiance. Uh, but that said, we know our fans will be passionate and loud, and, and uh, hopefully, we'll start to to get more capacity soon. Do you have do you have like a rough plan, or is it just all based on the case levels? I know that everything comes with a contingency nowadays, but do you have kind of an idea in mind when you know you'll get to twenty five percent, or when you get to fifty, and, and eventually, you know, obviously back to a full ballpark? Great question. Yeah, subject to the, the state and city's approval, um, we would hope to to bump up from the 12%, uh, maybe, you know, some point in May, if possible, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, go to a larger uh, percentage uh, sometime after that, maybe June, you know, it's sort of like picking round numbers going month right. to month. Our, 
are, we're sort of backing into a period where we, we, we hope to be able to have full capacity when uh, a time is here where vaccinations uh, are available. When vaccines are available for everybody and, um, um, you know, it, it's easy to get vaccinated uh, mm-hmm. and, and the general public uh, has them widely and readily available, it seems like that would be an appropriate time. Right. Um, so, so working back from that, we would look to increase capacity up from 12%, maybe to 25 and then 50 and then 100. But would also, you know, look, we are not, we've never done this before, obviously. And <laughs> yeah. We need to follow the lead of the governor and lieutenant governor and the mayor and the health officials. So we'll, we'll, we'll just provide them as much information as possible. And look, you learn from other clubs and other markets. As you pointed out, it's kind of all over the map. We mm-hmm. range from 12% to 100% in Texas. Right, which, is, which sounds crazy at this point. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it'll be, it'll be um, interesting to see how, how this shakes out in other markets. And we'll all learn from each other. And we'll get to, get to Fenway being uh, packed again, hopefully someday sooner rather than later. Yeah, and the vaccinations thing, two parts on that I wanted to ask you. Number one, you know, I think you had a quote that, you know, in the hundred and something year history of Fenway, this is the most important uh, purpose it served, being a mass vaccination site. Number two, you know, I see a lot of organizations, I think the Astros and the Cardinals just are doing vaccination efforts for their teams this week. Do you have anything like that planned for the Red Sox? Great. Well, the first part of your question, I'll take, take, uh, take first. We mm-hmm. really believe that you know, the, the ability to play a small part in the recovery with, with vaccination, um, with, with Fenway as a mass vaccination center, is one of the most important things we've ever done, if not the most, because I think it's, it's rare you can point to something and say, wow, that, that saved a life or, or two right. or three. And I think by definition, you can say that. So mm-hmm. really appreciate Sarah McKenna and, and, and her team who led that effort. And then as it relates to the, the, um, the second part of your question, we are working hard to try and identify um, the best possible way to get our uh, players vaccinated um, when they come back, when they're eligible. Obviously, different players, different health uh, concerns, conditions, um, and, and you know we'll all be back together here in Massachusetts. So my hope is that we can get them vaccinated as soon as, as humanly possible. Obviously, that'll be done in coordination with the state uh, and our medical uh, team, uh, which has been guiding us all the way along. So hopefully, well, it will be in, in April is our is our hope, yeah. um, and as soon as possible. We also need to think about needles going into arms and and uh, you know uh, any side effects right. um, that people may have. Um, so we need to think through that from a baseball ops perspective. So mm-hmm. no, I didn't even I, think of that. But yeah, yeah Hyman team need to you know, figure that out to the stagger. Do you, you know, look at the end of the day, I think you get the vaccine when you can get the vaccine. That right. was my, my preference and just get it over with, get it behind us. But hopefully we'll figure that out here uh, as the team comes north uh, very shortly. And and Alex said today that, you know, when it's available to him, he's going to get it, but it's an individual decision for players. I'm assuming you guys can't mandate that the guys yeah. get it, right? Yeah, no, no, we 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 cannot mandate, and nor would we would we try. But we strongly encourage, and yeah. uh, you know. It, but again, it's personal choice. Um, but our hope is that every single human being uh, that can get vaccinated will. It, uh, we're told by the scientists and the experts that they're safe and and mo- most importantly effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, hopefully, everyone who can possibly get uh, vaccinated will do that. 
So moving on, I mean, I know you've been talking about pandemic-related stuff for almost a full year, more than baseball stuff. So we'll get into actually some of the fun stuff here. But it's prediction season. You know, we just had our predictions for the year uh, the other day on the site, and everybody's coming up with win totals. I'm not going to ask you to do that uh, <laughs> because that, that's a dangerous game. But generally, what are your realis- realistic expectations for this Red Sox team? Well, I think we can compete uh, for a postseason spot. Uh, we need health, like everybody. It's such a mm-hmm. cliche. But boy, you watch what you know what happened this week with Matt Barnes and right. uh, Eddie Rodriguez last year, and Chris Sale trying to come back. So we need we need good health. But but I think this club is um, is a team that is versatile, much improved over the last year, a lot deeper. Uh, and so you know, I shudder to say this, but the only place we have to go is up compared to last year. It was <laughs> right. so it was so brutal. Um, so, but I do think we can compete. The team is so excited to have Alex Cora back. You've seen some of our, um, our, our new faces, some of our older faces performing well in spring training. So uh, I do think we're well positioned, obviously in a really, really tough division. Everyone has improved dramatically. So it's going to be that much harder. Uh, but I, I do think we can compete and, uh, we need to, we need to stay in this race down to the, down to the end and, and try and sneak into, uh, into October. We're certainly not the favorite in the division. We understand that, mm-hmm. uh, but it's kind of nice to be in that position once in a while where you have a chance to surprise some people. Yeah. That's been, I think the, uh, the big phrase from everybody, we're going to surprise some people or um, that's not what we're used to from the Red Sox, you know, over the last few years, yeah. talking to people in the organization, it feels like the way spring training went. I know it's been a bumpy last few days with, you know, Eddie's injury Barnes and the whole COVID situation that resolved itself. I think a lot quicker than everybody thought it would. Um, but how has spring training, if, if at all, changed uh, your perception of this team, your expectations? Yeah, it's a great question because there, um, there were some real pleasant surprises. Um, I, I just think it renewed our, our optimism and faith and commitment with our baseball operations staff generally, from mm-hmm. Ian Bloom to Alex Cora to new arrivals like Will Venable and um, Eddie Romero and Raquel and BOH. It's, it's a great group. They've obviously um, brought in a lot of talent, a lot of energy, a lot of versatility. Uh, some of the younger guys coming along, uh, some of the guys returning to form. Uh, I, I think it's it really has um, given a lot of hope and optimism uh, to us to see the way we played and Look, let's be honest. You know, a lot of these guys have a chip on their shoulder, a lot of turnover. But guys who were here last year, that was miserable, and, and you know, no one wants to go through that. I remember 2000. I'm not comparing the the 12 2013. I know a lot of people have said that. Oh yeah, um, everybody. Uh, <laughs> but but I do remember vividly the way we played. It was kind of it's kind of a silly anecdote, but we were at Yankee Stadium to open the season in 2013. I just remember playing a very competitive baseball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember who it was. Someone legged out an infield single. I think Johnny Gomes scored. I, I can't remember the exact circumstance, but I just remember it was a play that seemingly never would have happened in 2012 because right. everything went wrong. And uh, so to, to hopefully we get off to a start where we're, we're competitive and we're in games and we're not down four or five runs in the second, third inning uh, like last year. And, and hopefully we'll get off to a much, much better start and capture the imagination of New England uh, the way we know we can when we, when we have a competitive team that um, is worthy of the fan support. And that, that's our job, and, and we failed last year. I, I want to ask you about a specific comment you made uh, to the Globe in, in January. I'm sure you know what it is, but 
saying, I think it would be inaccurate to say we're going for it with an all-in approach, but, you know, perhaps we did prior to 2018. I think that got some backlash just from fans saying, you know, you, you should go in all in every year. Um, so I'll give you the chance to kind of expand on, and I know you did with, with Dan Shaughnessy and you've talked about this in the past, but just wanted to ask now, like what exactly does that mean? And when is that all in approach going to come back? Yeah, well, I, what I was, uh, what I was trying to say was that there's an approach every off season to, to build a team that hopefully qualifies for October baseball, then can, can put yourself in a position to win a world series championship. And uh, when I was speaking to Dan, you know, he was asking specifically about the approach as it relates to free agents and big mm -hmm. free agent signings and splashes. Um, and so what I said was we're taking a little bit of a different approach this year. We've, we've made some big signings, you know, whether it was um, Xander Bogarts or J.D. Martinez or Chris Sale um, and Nady Evaldi for that matter. Uh, and so we had a lot of resources uh, tied up and, and we're, we're giving ourselves some flexibility, bringing in some, some guys on shorter term deals. So it's a different approach. And the, the all in terminology, um, I think, was used to describe in, in Dan's mind, um, you know, not having a big free agent splash. If mm -hmm. you will. Um, and so I understand that as a as a lifelong Red Sox fan myself. Some winters, you know, you, you have that, that quote unquote, we're going all in on right. you know, a David Price, for example, um, and other years, you know, you don't have that. You may make more different moves like, like uh, Mike Napoli, Shane Victorino, Johnny Gomes type signings uh, that lead to uh, the same place uh, where we got in 2018. Um, we did do a lot of big free agent deals uh, over the last sort of three or four years. Thankfully, they worked out really, really well, delivered our fourth World Series championship. Uh, but this year, we took a little bit of a different approach. We'll see where it gets us. We also still have uh, an entire season leading up to the trade deadline where you can make moves. So, um, uh, you know, that, that, was, that, that was really what I was describing was uh, just pushing back on this notion that, you know, the, the all-in description, I think, in some people's minds refers just to big free agent signings, yeah. long-term commitments. And, and we didn't, you know, we obviously didn't do that for obvious reasons. We've done it in the past, and mm -hmm. I think we'll do it again in the future. Uh, it's just this particular offseason, we took a different approach given where we are. You just mentioned something in your previous answer there that was interesting to me. You know, I think it was like recapturing uh, New England. So this is something that you know I know I've asked in, in the group Zooms and other people have asked about the relevancy question. You, know, you turn on 98.5 or EI and it's a lot of Patriots talk like it always is, but a lot of Celtics and Bruins talk and it seems like there's not a ton of buzz around the Red Sox, at least in the last year and a half or, or for whatever reason. I know you've said in the past that winning cures all. You know, you go out and you win and you're back to what we're all used to, but is it that simple, do you think, or is it you know something where um, the organization needs to take a more active role in trying to win back fans in a way. Well, I, 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 I do um, really believe that if we do our job right and we put a team out there that is fighting for a postseason spot and, and we get into get into October, um, the rest really takes care of itself. You mm -hmm. know, it just it, I've seen it having been here twenty years, uh, having grown up here, having lived here for. God, I hate to say it, nearly 50 years. Um, it, you, you, it, it's, it's easy to sort of, um, you know, try and look around corners or try and find a magic cure. And, and when you talk about uh, relevancy or buzz, 
the reality is if, if we have a competitive team uh, and we're doing the right things and we're playing postseason baseball at Fenway, which is our goal each and every year, um, you're, there's going to be plenty of buzz, plenty of relevancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but understandably, there hasn't been because we had such a, a difficult uh, 2020. Obviously, 2019 wasn't much better. Um, we made some incredibly unpopular decisions on the on the baseball operations side, um, which we have to own and and acknowledge that they weren't going to be popular yeah. in the fan base, and we respect that and understand that because we're we we all work in baseball because we started as fans. So so we recognize that, and I, I do think we now need to sort of stop talking about it and let's go out and play and and see what we can show uh, this year in 2021. I was uh, I've been trying to avoid writing the words Mookie Betts for the last few months because it's <laughs> obviously you know I don't cover the Dodgers so I try to avoid as much as possible but I'm sure that's what you know, you're referring to as an unpopular decision. I, I know that this is something that you said you envisioned you know everybody envisioned when you guys made the deal, but even you know a year later more than a year later, um, are you surprised that people are still talking about it, still upset about it? Definitely not surprised, given the caliber of, of player that Mookie Betts is, the type of person he is, what he's achieved in a Red Sox uniform, now in a Dodgers uniform. Um, no, not not surprised, um, you know, but still uh, still stand by the, the decision. And, and uh, you know, look, we're we have to we have to live with that. And, and hopefully uh, we're building uh, right now to that to that next great Red Sox team. And. Um, and, so, and some of the players that they came back in that deal will help us uh, help us get there. And one more on him. I think there's this notion that, um, you know, he was, as soon as he got to L.A., right, even before he played his first game there, he signed that 12-year, $365 million deal with them. I know it's hindsight. I know it's a tough question. But do you think he would have accepted that deal, those terms from the Red Sox? You know, it's hard to know just because you, um, you know, you, you can't, it's hard to answer any uh, hypothetical question. Yeah. I, and look, I, I, I have nothing but incredible respect for Mookie and, and what he did. And, and well, he'll be cemented in Red Sox history for, for the 2018 season, uh, but also more importantly, what kind of person he is. So um, always, always rooting for him and, and wish him, wish him well, hopefully we'll, we won't be wishing him well uh, later this season uh, in October, but uh, right. but no, nothing but nothing but great feelings for Mookie Betts. We'll move on from one uh, one LA sports superstar to another one for a second. Yeah. I know you know where this is going, and um, it's not official yet, right? But uh, LeBron James coming on as a part owner. I know you addressed it a little bit on the radio a couple weeks ago, but um, you know I, I know he's not going to be the one that's uh you know making pitching changes or deciding yeah. on trades but as much as you can talk about it what do you expect how active of a role do you expect him and uh, maverick carter to have in the organization well we like you said that nothing's official yet and, and um we know there was a, a pretty detailed report uh media report in the boston globe and um uh you know so we we did not comment on that story and and did not participate uh in that story but um <laughs> understand that that is uh it is out there yeah. um so it, you know i would just what what i can say is that um we have been working on uh, a potential uh, strategic uh, partnership with a potential investor investment group 
Um, and we do have a partnership with LeBron and Maverick through Fenway Sports Management. I've become business partners with them and built a friendship and relationship over the last decade or so. Um, so if something were to come together, uh, I would see them uh, being very uh, active and, and involved at the Fenway Sports Group level and helping us uh, uh, achieve our ambitions uh, as a sports, entertainment, media, a real estate business that has global uh, aspirations. You know, we've got the Red Sox, we've got Liverpool, real estate, New England Sports Network, Roush Fenway Racing. So I think you could see us potentially expanding into other sports. Um, mm -hmm. And Maverick uh, and LeBron are incredible business people, have built great businesses. And obviously LeBron's still playing, and I think he has a long playing career in front of him. Uh, but if, if it did come together, I think it'd be a great thing for for Fenway Sports Group. So you know, he he, we're we're envisioning him being around around Fenway all summer, right? That's is going to be his main priority now. Yeah. Hey, listen, if uh, if if that's the way this uh, thing ends up going, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure he's one of the, these guys that uh, probably has every single day mapped out and planned out, but right. um, but but hopefully it comes together. And something else you were asked on EEI a couple weeks ago, and you seemed almost surprised by the answer and very surprised by the question and very clear in your response was about the notion of John Henry and Tom Warner potentially selling the team in the near future. Do you have any idea why that talk is kind of starting to pop up a little bit? I think it actually pops up um, uh, frequently in different markets with different sports ownership groups and teams. I, it, it is unusual that um, a partnership you know, has lasted so long, uh, yeah. 20, 20 years now. Uh, and we've had a knock on wood, um, some, some really exciting things happening, great success. So it's, I, I was surprised at the time when I got asked, cause it's just the furthest thing from my mind. We're so, we're yeah. so, we're so into everything we're doing. And, um, and I can tell you, especially given the deal that, uh, we were just alluding to, um, if anything, I think you'll see a, a renewal and, and commitment to Fenway Sports Group as a business and, and uh, tripling down. If you were, we're enter entering our third decade together, we're calling it FSG 3.0, mm -hmm. trying to reinvent ourselves, reimagine the business, think about ways we can grow, take on new opportunities. So I can say with 100% certainty and clarity, I said it on the radio there, I'll say it again. John Henry, uh, Tom Warner are not selling uh, Fenway Sports Group nor the team. Um, and we, we are looking at some strategic partnerships and, and investment uh, from third parties, but but not looking at uh, a, a control sale, if you will. And so um, so that's a good thing for Red Sox fans, uh, given their uh, given their stewardship here. Related note, uh, I think that, you know, I might be accused of being a homer for asking this question, but um, <laughs> that's all right. I'm a homer, too. Yeah, we're the team president. I'm supposed to be an objective reporter, so that makes sense. But do you feel like this ownership group and the accomplishments of it are underappreciated sometimes? No, I don't. Um, I, I get to uh, spend a lot of time with our fans um, and all over New England, uh, and and I think there is a uh, actually a huge appreciation for. Uh, what John Henry and, and Tom Werner and, and my mentor and, and former boss, Larry Lucchino, and the mm -hmm. group that came together in late 2001 uh, to take over this, this franchise. Um, great, great appreciation for what they've done. Now, that doesn't mean they're, they're, um, they don't 
deserve, we don't deserve criticism, um, complaints when when things don't go well. I, I just think it's a reflection of the passion and energy and enthusiasm for sports in this market. Um, when you have a bad year, things can get bad and ugly pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you have success, it gets magnified at, 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 at incredible levels. So um, I think there's a great appreciation, especially from, from Red Sox fans that have been uh, around a long time, you know, my generation, but really even the generation before us, my parents' generation, you know, growing up here in, in Boston and New England, you know, we waited a long, long time for that championship in 2004 and to follow it up with three more uh, has been been special. And to have an ownership group that's hungry for more um, is, uh, is, is pretty special. So it's been a great 20 year run and looking forward to the next 20. I don't want to keep you much longer, but I do want to fire away with some rapid fire things here at the end. Uh, Theo Epstein, have you heard of him? <laughs> Who? Theo heard of him at all? So he's uh, obviously in his his new role with uh, Major League Baseball, and he had a lot of comments here in the last couple of days about kind of his ideas for the game. Um, I'm sure that you you talk to him frequently about this type of stuff. But in your mind, what could make the product better? Like if you could identify whether you want to get into specifics of you want to ban the shift or whatever it may be, what do you think the game needs to fix? Yeah, I, I think it, generally we need to focus on the product, which which. Commissioner Manfred and and Theo and 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 Dan Halem and Chris Marinak and and the group are are all doing. Um, we we need to get hopefully we can get the game um, back to a two hour forty five minute two forty two forty five um, product. Yeah, two thirty wouldn't wouldn't be so bad either. Um, and it's not that that people want less baseball. It's just they want less dead time in yeah. the baseball games, right in between innings in between pitches. Um, people do want more offense. I think people um, are interested in a lot of the rule changes that we're talking about. So we need to continue to, to push ourselves as an industry forward. And I think it's exactly what Commissioner Manfred's doing uh, and, and bringing in Theo Epstein to help advise him was uh, a really, really, I'm biased, of course, <laughs> given my history, but yeah. I think it was a, a really great uh, decision. And and hopefully Theo and, and Commissioner Manfred and the team will will start to make some some change, but it has to be done collaboratively with the players, which mm-hmm. uh, is another great reason uh, you bring in someone like Theo, who's got tremendous relationships on the player front and the agent front. Uh, so I was really excited to see him him go there. And um, I know it won't last. I don't think it'll last long because I, I, I imagine him being back with the club at some point uh, soon. Uh, he is not meant to I know when he was uh, in Chicago when he normally was going to spring training, that was an odd feeling for him. Yeah. So I would uh, I would expect to see him at some point getting back into the fray and into the arena. Uh, another one, just on the future of Fenway, I think it's kind of fallen by the wayside. Any potential improvements, upgrades, normal things, because you've had to you know redesign it in ways we've never seen about 10 times in the last 365 days. So yeah. what do you envision – you know, obviously you guys have made so many improvements to the ballpark since taking over and, um, you know, it's, it's completely different than it was even 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. What's next? And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the question, there's a couple articles that popped up over the winter of, is it time to move on from Fenway? How would you answer that question? No chance, no way, no how, <laughs> never. Um, you know, Fenway is so special, situated in the heart of the city. 
Um, it's, it's such an important part of who we are as Bostonians and New Englanders. What I envision next is, is development around the park that we're mm. engaged in. We're building a 5,000 person live music venue right out behind the bleachers right now. It's gonna be absolutely incredible, the MGM Music Hall at Fenway. Um, and so I, I envision more development, more activity, more life, more energy. Uh, and in a, if we can all imagine a post-pandemic world, uh, I think the Fenway neighborhood is the place you're going to want to be to live here, to work here, to play here, to enjoy yourself. So looking forward to the sort of next generation of the Fenway neighborhood, uh, which is literally being built around us right now at this very moment. And what about, you mentioned the music hall, and, and I'm not sure if the timeline, I'm sure it has a little bit shifted on that just because of the pandemic. Um, but in terms of other events this year, uh, do you expect concerts over the summer? Do you expect, you know, football games, soccer games, whatever, uh, the normal things you have uh, once baseball season's over? Yeah, I, I hope that um, we'll be in a position to stage uh, some concerts. We had many, many, many booked. Um, but as each sort of passing week on the calendar goes by, with, without having clarity on uh, capacity uh, mm -hmm. restrictions or, or allowable number of fans, it's hard to make commitments uh, to the acts and the bands that, that are coming through. So we still have some on the books. And if we can get to a, uh, an environment where it's safe and the health officials and the state officials say, okay, uh, we could still stage some concerts potentially uh, this summer. Um, and we'll, so hopefully more to come on that uh, in the coming weeks. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, uh, and this is a question that I've asked you definitely in the past, but do you have any update on Fenway Park getting an all-star game in the next few years? I know it's been a long time now. You're probably up on the uh, on the rotation, but any progress on that whatsoever? Yeah, we've, we've had um, some dialogue with Major League Baseball. Nothing, nothing new to report now, but we would... You can announce it on here. That would be great. Yeah, exactly. We would love to to host a uh, an all star game uh, as soon as possible, and like you said, we are hopefully uh, coming up where uh, it may be our turn uh, some someday soon. But uh, no no news on that uh, yet. Well, that's Sam Kennedy ready for a, a much longer season, and hopefully for the Red Sox, a much better season than last year. Sam, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Chris. Great to be with you. Good luck this season to all of us.